With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in sunny, scenic, beautiful quarantine Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. 5-0, these Tennessee Titans after a, an incredible win against the Houston Texans at Nissan Stadium on Sunday. We're going to have their right tackle. Dennis Kelly, join us on the pod. Talk Taylor Lewan, the NFL's investigation into COVID-19 protocol violations that has since been, uh, you know, for the most part, disproven and has concluded a great many things to talk about with Dennis today and five good minutes on the ass-kicking that the Tennessee Volunteers experienced at the hands of the Kentucky Wildcats on Saturday. But first, I got to tell you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford who are putting on this Drive the Music initiative. We're running out of days. For you guys to go to drivethemusicnashville.com and purchase a $30 t-shirt with 100% of the profits going to Music Venue Alliance of Nashville. What Two Rivers Ford is doing is trying to help keep local music venues afloat after uh, Nashville as a city has experienced uh, a fair amount of tragedy between the tornado, COVID-19, and what it's doing to our local economy, our local businesses, and our local independent music venues. So donate today by purchasing a t-shirt at drivethemusicnashville.com and help keep independent music alive in the 615, courtesy of our friends at Two Rivers Four. Let's get to Dennis Kelly. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast on the getbeast.com Zoom line, a beast in his own right, a friend of the podcast, Titans right tackle, Dennis Kelly. It has been entirely too long since I've seen your face uh, in, in a non-virtual setting, but I'm very happy uh, that you uh, that you decided to take some time on your off day to hang out with me and, uh, and talk a little shop. Good to see you, bud. Of course, bud. It's good to see you, man. Uh, where, where even to begin, Dennis? Because I, I, almost, I almost make it an objective of these pods when you guys come on here to not talk to you about football and right. yet you're undefeated you had a just otherworldly game against the houston texans collectively right. uh to improve to the 5-0 and standing so i feel like it's almost unavoidable but i will start here what are you enjoying more the 5-0 and start or the amount of internet trolling that people are doing to me on twitter <laughs> you know it's really kind of it's a toss-up right <laughs> you know every day you wake up and it's just you're wondering when is a dory coming off of ir i just I, 
Dennis, it makes me so angry. <laughs> if they can just go on one extra day, then that'll brighten my day up. So, you know, 5-0 is great, but, I mean, it's the hard-hitting questions that need to be answered. And I tried yesterday with Brable <laughs> on the Zoom, and I got my ass chewed. Like, it was, it was such a catastrophe. This is why the people can't have nice things. <laughs> I just, unbelievable. And now with Lawan, which stinks, it's, it's yeah. only going to continue. Uh, but, you know, if, if, we can, if, we can help make, uh, if we can help make Dennis Kelly laugh on his off day, then, you know, what's the harm? Uh, but seriously, like, this is, this is insane, what's happening with you guys. It's completely improbable, for, at least on the outside, for, sure. for our perspective. And I, I know professional athletes have to have a certain belief in self, belief in team, all of these things. But, like, <laughs> does, it, does it surprise you at all that you are in this position, given everything that has happened over the course of the season? Uh, I mean, I don't want to say surprise, because like you said, like, you go into a game expecting to win every game. So I don't think it surprise is the right word. Uh, I think one of the best ways to describe it is uh, Vrabel was talking last week about how how rare it is to be going 5-0. and And he asked who on the roster has been 5-0 and before. And there was maybe four guys. Um, and so like, he's like, it, it doesn't happen a lot. And obviously, you know, now we're, we're – focusing on trying to become six and oh and so that number is probably going to dwindle a little bit more and so uh it is a cool cool thing to be able to to, to be five and oh um but you know it's it's every week is is a challenge obviously like you look at look at on sunday you know on paper it shouldn't have been that close but that's why you play the game that's why you know i think the nfl is so fantastic is because literally any given sunday or Saturday, or, or Monday, or Tuesday this year, like, it, anyone can get got. And so you have to come in ready to go at all times. And yet you remain ungotten. It is, uh, it is an incredibly impressive feat so far. And, st- I mean, statistically, you guys as an offense, like, not, not only are you guys not giving up sacks, the quarterback is is playing at an MVP. My words, not yours. I don't want you know. I don't want to. I don't want to put words <laughs> in the athlete's mouth. God forbid. Sure, but sure. Uh, but for for the gas bags and the media vultures out here keeping track of MVP in week seven, mm-hmm. the quarterback is insane. The running back is right there with him. This is something that has only been done four times in NFL history, where there's a team with a hundred yard receiver, a a three hundred yard passer, and a two hundred yard rusher in the same game, uh, or excuse me, 100 yards for the rusher as well. I've got, I've got to get my facts straight. Fake news <laughs> here on the 615 Sessions podcast. Can't be doing that. Uh, but, like, in, in the moment, like, during the game, do you guys get to get to kind of I, – I, I'm trying to look for the right words because when you're blocking up a 94-yard run for Derek, I don't necessarily know if you realize what's happening in the moment or if by the time that you get up from, get up from, uh, from your block and you look up and he's in the end zone or whatever, like kind of walk us through what it's like to be a part of a, of a, of a touchdown run like that. Yeah, you know, it is, it's, it's one of those things where I think with Derek, whenever we kind of get backed up, at least for me, there's always that five is like, are we going to do Jacksonville again? Like, is, that, is this what we're doing this drive? And Are we doing this again? Yeah. <laughs> And so, obviously, like it, it happened again on Sunday. So, it was, it was just one of those things where, like, you line up and you see – you know the play is and you see where the things are lining up and you kind of in your head it's like, well, if this happens, like, it's, it's in his hands. Like, obviously, he, he made some guys miss and then just outran everyone, which is – it's still fascinating watching him run. 
like on the field, it doesn't look like he's moving that fast to me. And then, but he just keeps pulling away from people. And it, it's one of the most fascinating things I've seen because he is so big and his strides are so long. It doesn't look like he's like churning out his feet super quick, but he just pulls away from people like it's nothing. It, it, it's so it worked out to where I, I had my guy and he ran inside of Nate and it was just, I was able to kind of see it all happen. I was like, Oh, Oh, oh yep. No, he's gone now. And so it was like, <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a cool, it's a cool feeling because it's like, obviously you get backed up and there's that point of like, okay, there's the whole like on paper, you need to get two first down so you can flip the field. Like, and then just come back and score right there. And it's like, well, you got all the momentum back. Let's, let's keep riding this. What, what stands out to me about him specifically is the recognition of angles of just how best to uh, take advantage of a guy, of a guy taking, you know, a, a direct path at him and then split the, the defenders where he right. starts out running right, then he cuts back left and he find, he find, he times it just perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I know he's not the first running back to do these kind of things, but like he's, he's fairly unprecedented for a dude that side with the, with the kind of speed that you're talking about where he's pulling away from an entire secondary. I, I guess you've been here since he's been here. You, you, you got traded to the team. I think that was his rookie year. Yeah, it would have been his rookie year. If I remember correctly. And he's obviously just recently, over the past couple of years, two and a half years maybe, since he's been, you know, the guy sure. kind of taken, taken this next step to where he's one of the most elite players in the NFL. But I know that he, he kind of struggled with his role early on. Just, just how far have you seen him come from the time that he was backing up to Marco Murray to what we see in front of us now? Yeah, no, I think he's done a really great job of just, you know, embracing what he's, what he is, what the team needs him to be, and then kind of, you know, doing even that much more. You know, it's, it, when you come in and you're, for him, you know, obviously, like you said, he was the backup to DeMarco. He's in that kind of like that learning year, got some playing time, but wasn't relied on the way he is now to growing into feeling comfortable playing in the league, to them becoming more of a leader, to them becoming more of a vocal leader, to them being the guy that brings people up and is one of those guys that holds people accountable and, you know, demands a lot from everybody, including himself, to say, like, if we're going to do this, we all got to be working in the same direction. So I think it's he's done just a great job of, I think, embracing everything that has been asked of him and is doing that much more. Well, and it's a credit to you guys, too, the five of you up front and, you know, six counting Sombreo and, and the offensive line as a whole. I mean, you guys, this is this is as good as I've seen a Tennessee Titans offensive line unit play. What kind, what's kind of what's kind of clicking so well for you all right now? Because it's not just the run blocking. It's been the pass protection has honestly been better up until Sunday when Derek has the 200 yard game. Yeah, I think it's just it's. Obviously, building off of how last year ended, uh, you know, I think we knew that there would have there like we had to get back to that, and I, I don't think that us as a line feels that we're there yet, and I think that is a good thing for us because I think that keeps us motivated, keeps us, you know, kind of hungry, so to speak, to to continue to try and get better, so that we're not just being like you know we we had the leading rusher last year like we got this we've done this like we understand that it's going to be an every week type thing that we're going to get everyone's best shot because we have such a dynamic runner in Derek 
and that they're going to, they're, people are going to want to stop that. So it's going to make it harder. So that's why we need to work harder. So I think there's a really good mindset in that room of understanding that if we want to go where we want to go, it's going to be a year long process, a year long, you know, working towards it, not just being able, all right, got it all figured out. Let's just keep doing that every time. I, this is this has been incredibly super serious football conversation, Dennis. I, I'm honestly ashamed of myself that this is the kind of interview I'm doing today. But like Dennis, I'm sitting here. I, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to do different kind of content other than saying every week when you guys don't lose. Like, yeah, your football team's really, really good. I got nothing to bitch right. about. How great, I mean, how great is it to shut people like me up on a regular basis? Like, that's got to feel a little good. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely obviously, you know, Tennessee always kind of gets you know, we feel that we kind of get looked down upon it for whatever reason, you know, we're not the traditional big time franchises. Um, But I think that's just kind of, again, our mentality is, you know, it doesn't matter what other people are saying, as long as we do what we know what we can do, you know, I think our, our results will speak for themselves. No doubt. You you think Vrabel's pissed that the internet figured out his 12 man on the field trick? Yeah. I was thinking about that yesterday. I was like, like, (laughs) I feel like he probably won't be able to do that one this week. So, yeah, it was a good move. I mean, but like, like that's he's he's done it before. I, I remember it from the from the Jets game a couple of years ago uh, that you guys ended up winning as well. And the the clock manipulation for him has always been a really really strong point. How much different? Because you played for a couple of coaches over the course of your career. Like Mike seems to be a legitimate competitive advantage in things like that that can help tip the margins in your favor when you've got, you know, when you're trying to keep a, keep in a game with the Texans and, and the defenses. Uh, Deshaun Watson, obviously uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, so he's given the defense a hard time. You're just trying to keep pace mm-hmm. at that point after leading in the first half. But, like, how, how much more does something like that that a head coach does tip the scales in a team's favor in the NFL? Uh, I mean, I think it, it kind of shows on Sunday, like, it, in – like probability-wise, I think our win probability was pretty low by the time they ended up scoring him because he was in tune with the situation and he preaches that towards us. I think it's one of those things where it's, again, it's buying everyone in together, saying, like, if he's practicing what he's preaching, it's easier for us to do the same thing. You know, it's, it's not just, hey, you guys need to be aware of the situation, but he doesn't have to worry about that. It's, 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 it's everyone working together. And I do think it's, it's, it's great to have somebody that, you know, knows the rules and it knows the way to kind of, like you said, manipulate the rules to where it could give us an advantage. That's very, very Patriots-esque. So is, you know, kicking the Bills' ass by 26 after everybody, <laughs> you know, thinks that you're doing the rest of the league dirty. This is, uh, this is very, very apt, these comparisons coming to light that we won't you know I, I gotta I gotta break out of the football conversation I'm, I'm, I'm bothering myself honestly and and so, and I don't want to take a negative like a, a, a woe is me approach with Taylor because that we we all know that sticks especially right. for as much football uh, or in as much time as Taylor Lewan has devoted to this particular franchise and now to see the heights that you mm-hmm. guys are starting to reach uh, but the thing that people keep <laughs> that people keep citing every time you know you see an Instagram post because that's all Taylor is doing apparently at home is reposting Instagram <laughs> people wishing him well. Yeah, there's two in particular, Dennis, that made me laugh. First was AJ Brown because it started with I didn't care to get to know you at first, and now I'd give you the shirt off of my back. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> 
analyze that one for me, if you would, because I, I it was very, very sweet what AJ said, but I'm sitting there like laughing at it on the front end, like <laughs> yeah. this, it's too much. <laughs> Low-key insult. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, it, I think Taylor does a really good job of, you know, not breaking people down, but like he's such, he has such a strong personality and he's that way towards everybody. And so I think it's like, you first come in, you're a rookie. You might not know exactly what's going on. And then you got Taylor doing Taylor's antics. It's like, you know, what, what's going on in that corner? And then you just, you, you see it over and over again. And he, you know, he'll, he'll talk to you. He'll, he'll generally try and like make connections with you. So it's, it's, you can tell that it's not just a, uh, that's just a facade or anything like that. Like that's, that's him. Like that's how he operates and that's how he is. But and he's very passionate about everything that he does, including football, including this team. Um, so, I mean, I, I saw the AJ post too, and I thought it was pretty good too. <laughs> just, just blatant disrespect. This man just torn his ACL. He's out for the year, and the star wide receiver is saying, "Yeah, you know, I did. It wasn't really a big uh, Taylor Lewan guy at first, but now, you know, big fan. <laughs> no, <you're> great. <laughs> it was perfect. Uh, also, you know, talk about the locker room and what goes on in that corner. I cannot tell you. I've never. I never thought I would miss dead puppies. Like I never. <laughs> I, Dennis. I never thought that I would miss dead puppies. And maybe the audience doesn't have this point of reference. So perhaps, <laughs> perhaps Dennis Kelly will be able to better explain why it is that I missed the song dead puppies. <laughs> so it got to the point where because of the media coming in, uh, to the Taylor, locker room in the locker room, sorry, Taylor had his speaker in one of the lockers. And whenever the media circle would come towards our corner, he would put on a playlist that would just be, inappropriate songs, bad words, just like screamo, anything to kind of like disrupt the interview. And I was actually, that song is my suggestion because yeah, <laughs> when growing up. So like, this is on you. Yeah. This, I, I hand up. This <laughs> uh, growing up, my dad had, uh, I guess like a comedy tape called Dr. Demento. Okay. And it had, bunch of random it had like a Cheech and Chong song it had a bunch of random kind of just comedy songs about it and one of them was Dead Puppies and we always thought it was hilarious and so when he was playing that playlist I was like if you really want to throw people off try this song he heard it thought it was messed up and then was like perfect let's Roll do it. it threw it into the playlist and then this entire off season we like him and I were just going back and forth about different new songs to add to the playlist to try and throw people off. And it was like, there were so many gems. I was like, I can't believe we forgot this one. This one's got to be in. And now it's all for not because you guys aren't allowed in. So when you eventually, when you're allowed back in, we're going to have some new ones for you. Oh my God. See now that this is, this is, this is breaking news here on the six, one, five sessions, uh, sessions, Taylor Lewan, unoriginal completely the evil mastermind of the Titans <laughs> locker room. I tackled Dennis Kelly. This, the, this man. I, I know, but I really, I really do. I I hate this year for a great many reasons, um, but I do. It, it takes so much away, Dennis, from being from a part of this job. And I'm sure you guys don't care. You know, it's not. It doesn't. It's it's an inconvenience before practice to have to deal with 45 minutes of us congregating uh, and hovering around your lockers while you're trying to get ready for work. But I, I cannot. I cannot. I don't know. It's just a knowledge gap. I talked to Corey. Corey Davis was on the pod a couple of weeks ago. We talked about this. It's just mm -hmm. such a such a missing piece of what it is that we're accustomed to doing. And like the knowledge gap for me is so much greater 
without being able to interact with you guys like you and I are doing now. So I, uh, I just, I cannot, I never thought I would, I would miss the amount of time that I spend around a bunch of just foul, rude, lewd, uh, giant naked people. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> get that. No, <laughs> it, I mean, for me personally, I actually like doing it both ways. I would rather you guys be in the locker room as well. Cause for us to do the interviews, they have to like set up a time. They have to set like, so like, when we're doing interviews, when you guys are in the locker room, we're still able to get ready. We can put our braces on or, you know, put, get dressed somewhat during the interview. Whereas now it's okay. I got to be right. Like got to be this ready for practice so I can go do a 10 minute interview. Then I have to do the rest of it after the interview. So for me, the process wise, I would rather you guys be in, in the locker room as well. So yeah. my vote. Oh, well, look at that. Listen, Hey, everybody go out there and vote. Dennis Kelly told you so. There you go. Uh, no, with the, uh, and I, so the strategy, anytime I, I, I t- we talk to players is you can't ever ask the player about himself because you, you guys are always the worst when it comes to those things, but I'm going to put you on the spot here because what you have been a part of is a huge, a huge chunk of this team's success throughout the course of your career as a Tennessee Titan. And I do think whether you think so or not, I think you do have a, do deserve to have a little bit of a light shot shown on you throughout the way that this has gone down since you were traded here, since John uh, did that deal to bring you over from Philadelphia. I know there's a lot more football to be played, but so far, what are you most proud of personally that you guys, whether it's you individually or you as the team, have been able to accomplish? Uh, You know, I do think, obviously, you know, the the recent outbreak and and then coming in for the the Bills game and kind of showing up that, you know, that the – you know, people were saying the us against the world mentality. Um, I thought that was a really c- cool game to be a part of. Uh, obviously, a real shitty situation to be – that put us into that. Um, just with the unknowns, like every morning figure, finding out that two or three more guys were infected and that, you know, we were hearing games were going to be canceled. We were hearing games were now postponed and they're canceled again. Then we're going – uh, and just like the roller coaster of what the hell was going on, and guys not really, and not phasing them to the where they told us we had practice, like we were allowed in. I'm trying to remember what day it must have been that Sunday before the Bills game. I think I think Saturday, if I remember correctly. But yeah, you may you maybe have the better the timeline better than me. Either way, it was one of those days where we were supposed to be coming in. We had a positive test, and we're like. Jesus, man, like what, like, there's no way we're going to be playing now. Right. And we were able to like, okay, like, we got to figure it out. We can cut, if we take certain precautions, you guys, can st- we could still come in and get somewhat of a practice in. And they gave us like two hours, like, after this meeting, you guys got to come in. And like, there was a moment like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing. And we're going. And I th- like, just seeing the guys like, kind of just own the situation was a really cool way and I think a really good indication of what type of people we have in that building and in that locker room because it didn't matter what was happening on the outside as soon as we were able to get into football it's like everyone came together and just I mean just put on a, a, a had a great game against Buffalo uh, it it is it's one of the most I don't want to call it the most impactful one of the most impactful games that I've covered or been a part of with you guys and the Bills but like for all of the for the way that I guess it resonates about you guys what you're what you're vocalizing 
there because no one outside of the facility had any kind of expectation that you guys would be able to, to win, much less do what you did, which was completely and totally take over that game mm-hmm. for the majority of it. And now you see Adam Schefter coming out, uh, what was that, yesterday, with yeah. the, you know, the league has concluded its review. Everything is, everything may be a fine, but outside of that, there was nobody, nobody intentionally violating the protocols, a mass cure there after mm-hmm. the review. For, for you and for that team, I don't know. I mean, the galvanization part is what got you, which what helped get you through that particular game. The preparation, the right. skill, all of that combined helps helps put you over the top. But I mean, how how vindicating does it feel to see? And I know you don't, you, you, or at least at least people t- tell me that nobody reads anything or sees anything on the outside. <laughs> but I I don't know if I necessarily believe that that is right. Is it at, is is it at all vindicating? To be at this point, to have the review concluded, to st- for the NFL to say no, it's you know it's not that deep, guys. Everybody settle the hell down, Mike Florio, with your ten million dollar fines, and Mike yeah. Brabel suspended for the year, and all this and that, and all all of the others, just pure speculation that was being tossed out in the ether. How vindicated do you guys feel now that you're through all of this? Yeah, I mean, you're, especially when we had sixteen days and not going into facility, you got nothing really to do but read every, everyone just talking shit about you. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a level of that, especially, you know, I was getting real annoyed when you had, you know, anonymous other like NFC executives saying that they should like hammer us down. It's like, you have an opinion about what's going to happen to us. Like there was such a weird, uh, just like obsession of like trying to crush us. And it's like, we're in a global pandemic. Like we had a positive test and we got on two flights. Like it. It, it almost was like I say perfect timing in in the in the in a bad sense. Everybody like, understands, right? And so I was like, if you guys want to, if you guys are all for hammering us, you know, the fines, the suspensions, whatever, and it happens again, all right, with on harder protocols and more more strictly enforced protocols, you're going to be okay doing that again when someone else if, if it happens again. Like it was just very like it was very confusing how another other teams and other coaches were so opinionated about what should happen to us during a, a global pandemic when clear, like I'm sure we weren't the only people that had some, like you said, a mask here or there. Like there are people like this entire country is still having a hard time with masks. And so like friendly reminders here and there that, that, that happens. But you're saying that, like, because, like, we're the ones that got caught, that we should be the ones that are, are just crucified and, and, and dragged and, and Game of Thrones shamed, marched. So, uh, I'm going to start was- breaking the bell to the next practice. <laughs> I'm at shame, shame, shame. That's yeah, it was, it was just like every time I was like, who, like, why, why are they, like, why are other teams worried about us? Like, that's, it was almost like they, they suggested the big like the the big fine and the, and the multiple suspensions hoping that like the nfl judge would be like you know what that's a good idea we should do that yeah. thank you anonymous source so like it was just very it was very interesting and annoying to me it was like i feel like you guys are like trying to get one for some reason but i mean like i said we the the investigation's over and and they said what they said so 
No doubt about it. Now, we'll end it on this because you, when we last spoke to you in the collective Zoom, you said that you had been quarantining in a townhouse with Ben Jones. Are you at home now or you are, are you still in the townhouse with Ben? So I'm at home right now because what happened was when my mother-in-law left for some doctor's appointments, I came by to see the family and it was like four days before the outbreak hit. Outbreak hit. Mm-hmm. So when we found out about the outbreak, I was like, well, if I have it, my wife has it. And so, I was like, well, if, if I'm going to have it and she has it, like, I'm not going to be allowed in the facility anyways. Like, we might as well suffer together to help with the kids. So I quarantined in the, my house until things kind of all cleared up. And then when the mother-in-law comes back, I'll head back to the townhouse. So okay. it was just one of those, uh, again perfect timing of coming in think we're okay outbreak hits damn it like <laughs> like damn it <laughs> uh, every morning at 6 a.m scrolling on twitter damn it <laughs> yeah. so it'd be one of those things where i'd wake up and with my now eight month old jerry anna would be up potentially before i would be and when the the positive tests were kind of leaking to the to the nfl sources and on twitter she would see it and it'd be one of those things where i'd i'd wake up and like check right away to see if i was positive or not before i even was leaving to let her know it's like okay well we're good today so we'll we'll see and so it was one of those things where it was kind of like a waiting game to see if like if it was going to hit and then obviously like there was there was just such a long incubation period for everyone it was one of those things where you thought you were in the clear and then it came back and it's like okay well maybe maybe give it a couple more days. So hopefully it went, went by. Hopefully we uh, don't have to worry about it again. But, uh, yeah, it was a great decision by me to come in for those <laughs> the four days before. <laughs> I mean, listen, what, what, what can you do at this point? But the more, most important question, what is Ben Jones like as a roommate? Like, what the hell is that like? Oh, no, he's great. We, we would find – he came in. He's, I didn't know he's a, he's a big car guy, so we were watching some. And I'm not really in the car. They just never – got into him and so he was watching one of those car shows on netflix and i was like i had no idea he's like he had spotted off all the the names and all the mechanisms i was like oh cool great <laughs> <laughs> but he's he, he goes to bed pretty early so um you know we'd come in we'd eat dinner watch one show and then probably go up to our rooms and shut it down shut it down no no shaving cream pies every time you walk around the corner nothing like this no no but now that you gave him the idea i might have to keep keep my eyes out for him ben jones big subscriber to the 615 sessions podcast without question (laughs) dennis kelly titans right tackle buddy it's good to see you uh continued health and success uh and best of luck uh in this uh in this upcoming game on sunday i really appreciate you hanging out on the off day it was uh it was good to chat for uh, you know however we can chat nowadays sure absolutely i appreciate it but always have a blast all the shout outs to titans right tackle dennis kelly i really enjoy when he joins us here on the show. We got five good minutes coming up on a less enjoyable experience for Tennessee sports fans, and that is what happened at Neyland Stadium between the Kentucky Wildcats and the formerly 18th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. We will discuss momentarily on five good minutes right after I tell you about our friends at Tame the Beast who present our Zoom and phone lines here on the 615 Sessions podcast. John Cascarano founded Tame the Beast as a local company here in Nashville back in 2015, 
and originally conceived it as a men's grooming company dedicated to grown-up grooming and 100% non-toxic masculinity. Over time, Beast Brands has evolved and it became clear that not just men, but women buy and love many of the products. My girlfriend loves the Tame the Beast body lotion with green tea, guarana, mountain tobacco. She uses that in the hand wash probably more than I do. Beast Brands have done great things with the products from the earth, good stuff from the earth, that are good for your skin, your body, and your hair as well. You can save 20% off using the promo code BEAST2020 on all of their fantastic grooming products at GetBeast.com. That's BEAST2020 to groom boldly and be a beast with our friends courtesy of Tame the Beast. All right, let's talk about some less than beastly behavior. <laughs> uh, Jared Garantano, man, like where, where do I even begin? What happened with the Vols' 34-7 loss to Kentucky on Saturday was as embarrassing a defeat as I have seen. The two pick sixes by Garantano obviously are where things start to spiral out of control. And then you see the benching of Garantano. You see see J.T. Shrout come in and throw an interception uh, after Garantano is benched like it was just it was a comedy of errors for this particular Tennessee team and I don't know I don't know how I don't know how you fix it I guess because what happened after the first two wins of the season Vols fans riding high you you lose to Georgia and you get a little bit outclassed on the line of scrimmage line of scrimmage but then you see Kentucky coming in and okay you say uh, they haven't won at Neyland Stadium since the 80s, the early 80s. This is a better Tennessee team than any we have seen previously, at least in the last five years. They should be able to handle this particular program with relative ease. And then the quarterback absolutely sandbags them. We had Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel. I was in co-hosting, uh, guest hosting for Mickey Ryan on 104.5 The Zone before the Kentucky game. We had Mike Wilson on to preview, or excuse me, before the Georgia game, to preview that particular contest. And what Mike said is that to that point, before the Georgia game, Garantano had not yet won or, more importantly, lost the Tennessee Vols a football game yet. At some point, one or the other is going to happen. And Jarrett Garantano, unfortunately, proved all of us right who have been doubters of him with the way that he just went out there and completely sandbagged his football team. 14 of 21 for 88 yards and two pick sixes. And it's honestly worse than the box score looked for him. You lost to Terry Wilson. You lost to a Kentucky team that was averaging like four, just over four yards of play on offense. It's not like this game was unwinnable. It's not like you were totally outclassed. The defense, finally, they had done such a good job at trying to keep keep Tennessee in this game that after, I mean, after the third interception by Shrout, wh- what else can you do? How else can you keep yourself motivated? And I understand that this is that this is what they're tasked with as collegiate athletes, especially in the SEC. But at some point. It falls on Jeremy Pruitt, who was the hot coaching, uh, not hot coaching candidate, but the, the, the most talked about, one of the most talked about coaches in the sport as to the trajectory that he had this program on. 
It falls on him for not recognizing just how limited his quarterback is. And by saying, you know, by admitting in the postgame, we're asking him to do a lot of things. We're asking him truly to play quarterback. Well, he has proven through five years that that is an uphill climb each and every time you trot him out onto the field. At some point, it becomes your fault that you are putting him in, him in a position that he is not able to succeed. It falls on Jim Chaney as the offensive coordinator, who was hailed as one of the better hires in the SEC, certainly commensurate uh, to what he is being paid to be the offensive coordinator of Tennessee, again, for the second time in his career. There is a substantial lack of creativity with the schemes that are being devised when and where they are running, or rather not running, the football, which is supposed to be the strength of this particular team, given the offensive line that you have. And at some point, these players, during a pandemic, during a weird season, during a time when you have hyped them up so much, whether it's the Tennessee Valley Authority and the offensive line, whether it's Henry To'o To'o, whatever the case may be, they're just going to be disheartened by the end of this. And I look at the Vols like I look at the Cowboys. Because the Cowboys, as we sit here taping this on a Tuesday afternoon, the Cowboys just experienced a tremendous defeat at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals. And now Jane Slater of the NFL Network is reporting that the players have had it. And they have been, to a point, content to keep things in-house. But now, since things are clearly spiraling out of control, they're sounding off through the media. College players much less likely to do that. But what you hear about Pruitt is there is a degree of, of dictator to him, especially with practices being closed to the media, and he knows that he can get away with a lot more. It is hugely disconcerting what you see after such a, I don't even know if I want to call it a strong start, because the Missouri game obviously gave you a tremendous amount of hope with Eric Gray and the offensive line with Cade Mays inserted into that lineup. And the quarterback, okay, you're a little, you're a little iffy on him, but maybe you can do enough to hide him, as so many college football cro- programs do. But all of this after what was supposed to be a strong year, a competitive year, maybe not for a championship, but a competitive year for the Tennessee Volunteers in the SEC East, they now host number two, Alabama. (laughs) And it, I don't know how you stop, I don't know how you stop the spiral uh, in that particular game, because it's not like, I mean, they have a 92.5 matchup predictor win percentage. They are favored in this game by 21 and that's on the road in Neyland Stadium. There has not been a competitive game between Alabama and Tennessee other than the first half of that game last year before Garantano kind of went nuclear. All of this, it just, it just seems to be trending in the wrong direction. And they may have been able to fool us because they had a really strong year uh, virtually recruiting. And now all of the hype, all of the great things that you've said about the Tennessee Volunteers prior to the 2020 pandemic season. Alabama up next, Arkansas after the bye, who are by no stretch of the imagination slouches. This is not the Arkansas team of a couple years past. However you want to attribute the credit to, Sam Pittman and those two coordinators have them on the right trajectory. But for Tennessee, that is in fact not the case, and we will see how they respond this week against number two, Alabama. Five good minutes, or if you want to call them good minutes, here on the 615 Sessions. Another great episode. More to come because Thursday we will have four-time All-Pro defensive end Jared Allen and we will have the 
exceptional ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes. It'll be a banger because we do bangers only here on the 615 Sessions podcast. So stick around, subscribe, rate, and review the A to Z Sports podcast feed where you get me twice a week. And make sure that you're supporting the people that support this show. That's Tame the Beast and, of course, our friends at Two Rivers Ford. I will speak to you on Thursday. And in the meantime, I need you now more than ever to stay safe, to stay clean. If you're the Tennessee Titans, to stay undefeated. And for you, Nashville, to stay hot. This has been the 615 Session Podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Yeah.